This is Room in the Trees, a podcast about living a creative life as an artist. You know what I'm feeling more of, though? What? Is, yeah, a fulfilled life. A fulfilled I'm, life, yes. I'm, I'm realizing that, yeah, like when I'm working up at the, the high school and just some of the the things that have gone on there like as a as a professional you know as as a employee Mm -hmm. so many of the things that are fulfilling to me about teaching are not present there and i think uh, that to me is part of what we're trying to do here is not just help people be creative but help people find fulfillment in that creativity that's so true i uh this show is hosted by sabrina ward harrison and myself trent reynolds you can find show notes and images and links at our uh, website, roominthetrees.com. So you had the art show and then you also had the filming. How did that go? Oh my gosh, this past like two or three, four weeks have just been one thing after the other. So I planned with my little brother who just started a production company. He and my cousin are starting a production uh, company together they just bought a really nice camera an ursa ursa mini uh it's a black magic camera really like cinema quality really really excellent uh camera um anyway they just got that and we're uh are testing it out and um so they came down here from provo utah this last weekend um but it just happened that the only weekend that they had free was the weekend directly following the biggest stressful event of the year for the art department at my school, which is the annual art show. So it was like on Friday, the, the art show at the school went up on Monday and Tuesday was open from Wednesday through Friday opening on Wednesday night, came down at Friday at the end of school at two 30. And then Brent shows up at three. Wow. And so we go Whoa. to this. We go to the studio and do some test shooting, lighting, and stuff like that. And then on Saturday, we shoot this video with uh, with my studio mate David Lloyd. So he and I uh, shot this film. Anyway, it was like I had no time to really prepare that much. I wrote a really quick outline of like basic subject matter that we were gonna gonna talk about, but it just you know was one of those things where it was. You, you get an opportunity and you just got to go, you know, you, yeah, you, yeah. you work with the, you work with the energy and the resources that you have in the moment and you get what you get. And how did it feel? It actually felt really good. And, and um, I don't know, because he's my brother, I guess there's more of a familiarity that I, that yeah. I feel with him and uh, I feel more comfortable asking him to be more involved, like right. uh, in the process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you, you hire somebody else and, and there, there's always going to be that kind of professional distance, which is usually a really good thing, right? You want that kind of separation, but with family, I don't know, having, it really is a nice thing, especially when we're, you know, I'm still in experimental mode with this stuff. It nice to be able to connect with a camera person on that level. Yeah. What was kind of the vision for it with him? Based on what you and I have talked about, uh, based on the the collaborative paintings that we filmed when you were here, mm-hmm. and just a lot of thoughts that I've been developing over the you know the last ten years, really since I've started to try to make videos, um, I was really interested in taking this really high end or high end compared to anything I've ever used uh, camera and just experimenting with lighting and how you can use the actual filming as, as part of how the story is told. So just really exploring how the um, subject matter is being represented. I don't know. And then I went this morning up to La Cunata and sat down with my brother and we talked about just some ideas on visually the type of, um, you know, coloring that we might want to use color grading for the film and, and types of uh, text that might be, you know, that, that could add to the tone of the film. And that's kind of, that was more or less the vision. The The subject was starting. Like we decided just to take on a really easy, like not easy, but um, specific 
subject. Yeah. So he's been teaching for many years and I've been teaching for, you know, over 10 years. And we just basically went through some of the psychology and some of the practical um, barriers that get in between people and them starting to make work. And which is a topic you and I have also discussed, oh, yeah. but, um, and then gave people just a couple really easy, low barrier to entry techniques of how to get started with, you know, materials that they have around them. Can you share one of those? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I can share both of them really yeah. very, very briefly. The one, um, that I share is a technique that I've used for years. Uh, and that is using either pencil or charcoal pencil to do a drawing. And then you can use, um, I typically use matte medium, but you can also just use Elmer's glue because it's made out of the same stuff that matte medium is made out of. It's, it's the same basic chemical makeup huh. and you, you, uh, pour the glue on there. And when the glue mixes with the carbon or the graphite of the pencil, it turns it into acrylic paint basically. So you get this, you get this uh, nice mixture between pencil line, you know, that you get from drawing with a, a drawing implement essentially. And then mixed with this kind of ghosty uh, transparent. Um, oh, I had never heard of that. Black pigment. And then uh, if you, uh, you know, one step up from that would be just to add a, little bit of white to to your palette and start um, mixing into the the mixture of the carbon and the matte medium mixing in some highlights and value uh, you know more of a range of midtones and values and what paper would you suggest people to use for that um, well it depends on how aggressive you're gonna be because you're adding uh, something that's fairly wet, uh, if you're going to be working in a sketchbook with fairly light paper, then you just can't be very aggressive with it without tearing through the paper. Cause once paper gets wet, it gets more um, fragile. So if you wanted, like typically when I, when I use it, I use a really thick uh, either watercolor paper or printmaking paper. And what that does is it allows me to just scrub more aggressively with the, to mix the, graphite in or the charcoal in with a, with a matte medium. And it also allows me to then go and, you know, paint more layers on top without worrying about buckling and, uh, you know, different deformities that paper can sometimes get if it's yeah. too thin, but really, you know, even if it's a sketchbook and you're just doing like a little graphite sketch and then take a really, like a small brush and just start, um, you know, painting in some, some matte medium what it does is it seals that graphite drawing. If you put it on really th uh, thicker and don't agitate the graphite as much, obviously it won't uh, mix in with the matte medium as much and it'll just seal the lines of the drawing. Right. Or if you want to scrub it a little bit more, it, it will wash the graphite off and mix it into the, the medium more. But what it does, it'll seal that the graphite or charcoal drawing and then you can uh, you know do layers on top of it without the graphite then mixing into subsequent layers. Anyway, it's a technique that I've used a lot and I just, I love because I like the mixture of the drawing and the painting, you know, yeah. vocabularies as it were. Yeah, you kind of keeps it open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a nice back and forth. You can kind of go back to the pencil and, and redo the process too. Um, David showed uh, just his uh, basic approach to doing collage and talked about why collage is a um, great kind of point of departure you know, a low barrier of entry to use materials that you already have around you to um, just sketch essentially and get something down to, to respond to. What do you know anything about as far that's interesting is when you mentioned that collage with as far as usage goes, as far as copyright usage and stuff, a trademark, uh, if you were to collage using from magazines and things like that, can you do that? Yeah. So the, the basic idea that I understand, and, and um, I have talked to lawyers about this specifically because I've had a, the question asked a lot in classes, and I personally have done collage, so I'm interested in as well. Um, it's pretty fuzzy. So <clears throat> if you were to make a collage using uh, something that you got from a copyrighted source like a magazine, um, 
and it was that image and that image had been incorporated into a larger piece of art and it was obscured enough that it wasn't mistakable as the original image. Okay. Yeah. And you sold the original work of art, you're completely free and clear. Like you're not, you're not in danger. But if, for example, you were to use an image, it was not obscured very much uh, and looked fairly close to its original, uh, you know, source. And then you made multiple copies of it. Uh, so there wasn't a single original work. It was something that was, you know, like in a book and you just made right. thousands of copies and were selling copies. It's that re reproduction of a copyrighted image that is more of a problem than having a single, you know, original artwork that's created using copyrighted okay. stuff. Because my that students are, yeah, my students are question, asking that question as far as their books go. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there is there. Ha and this is where I get into area that I'm not entirely sure about. But I believe there is um, something written into law where there's a percentage of alteration. So if it's like 10% alterated from its original, uh, you know, the original image then it is technically a new work of art. But as far as what, uh, you know, constitutes a 10% change, that gets a little bit dicey because you could very well argue that just changing its context, you know, is, is changing it, you know, completely. But obviously that could be argued. So it, there, is, there is a lot of kind of gray, mushy area there in terms of legality. But I think, again, if it's a single... If there is an original work of art and you're creating that and selling that, you're not in any dicey territory. Yeah. Um, I have some sad news to report. I don't know if you heard through the grapevine that Lucy, my sweet dog yes, of 10 years, I did hear um, that. died. Oh, man. Yeah. And it was, it's been a profoundly painful. Um, I feel better a lot better today. I picked up her ashes, but it, I've never had to put my, a dog down and, uh, it happened really fast. It was just happened kind of, she'd had, and I just want to acknowledge it because there was so much support on social media and loving comments and, um, personal stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really appreciated that. Um, it was shocking and I, it, it kind of goes in waves, but <clears throat> not having children myself and it's where all my you know affection and uh just it, it's like an, there's a similar oxytocin connection with when a dog and a human where the love is transferred between the eyes and you know that connection is really deep mm -hmm. so um it was it was just she was healthy until she wasn't and she had a clean bill of health two weeks ago and I just knew something wasn't right and I took her in and on Friday and they did blood work I guess on Wednesday they did blood work got it back on Friday and they said she's very very sick and I took her to the vet hospital that night and the next morning um, when I went to get see her I just knew she was ready to go and I just like she'd been running and playing in the garden the day before and then she was I was holding her in my arms and having to say you know the needle in her. I was just mm. devastating. Oh, so it's horrible. It's amazing. Yeah. It just brought me right to my knees as far as you hear stories of people and their dogs. And then you just, it, it's a real reminder about how powerful that connection really can be. between. Mm -hmm. And well, I have and a she's... sweet other dog, Rome, who, mm -hmm. go ahead. I was going to say she's, she's, uh, been been with you through a lot there's a, a lot of life has been lived a in lot. the last 10 years so yeah and rome has been with her every minute of every day for 10 years except for maybe a few hours so the two of them were just very bonded so he's disoriented and but yeah she i felt like there was a way that she also said you know she kind of was there to the point where she's like you know you're good to go so that was just i just want to acknowledge that mm -hmm before oh here comes sam so today we have a special guest on sam lamott he is a wonderful person
person and new friend of mine. He's the creator of Hello Humans, um, a website, and also he has his podcast, How to Human, with Sam Lamott, which you can find on iTunes, which he does wonderful, in-depth, thoughtful conversations um, about just being human and uh, all that comes with that, all the layers. He's a wonderfully sensitive, deep, thoughtful person. He's a teen dad. As he describes himself, a teen dad, an ex-meth head, college dropout, who is the founder of Hello Humans. Sam, do you do you feel like you know what you're doing? No, no, I have I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea where I'm going. It's like the way I describe it is I don't know where the path leads, but I know what it. I don't even know where the path is, but I know what it feels like when I'm on it. What's that for you? Well. I've been listening to a lot of Alan Watts. So. Oh, he's incredible. <laughs> so oh, I have, yeah. you know, if you had asked me maybe two months ago, I would have had a different answer because I've been saying that for a long time. But, the you know, incorporating my new favorite word, thanks to Alan Watts, which is harmony. It's mm-hmm. when it's when you're kind of in what people would describe as the zone or the flow where things are working and all of a sudden yeah. you start you know, you're making the connections that you need and the small breaks that you need are happening or the little moments of grace, grace are happening. So I loved podcast. So I created one. I had a, you know, I had an outline or had a purpose for the podcast or so I thought I did when I started it, just like I had kind of a rough idea when I started Hello Humans, which started with publishing stories, my stories and strangers stories and it's it's morphing and it's changing and i need small breaks from it and i'm so you know it's a one-man show right now and it's that's not its final form so i'm just i just keep going there is a tribe there's a uh excuse my language there's a shit ton of people who are you know kind of i guess in a similar place to where I am, where they don't know what to do, but they know that they want to do, you know, they want to grow in a certain direction. And the the personal growth self-help landscape is toxic as fuck right now. It's really just, it's disgusting. How would, how would you describe what it is that's disgusting about it? Or what are some of the things that that rub you, rub you the wrong way, I guess. For me, it's the same way when somebody tells me that they know without a shadow of a doubt what God is. It's like, it's crazy because nobody knows what God is. And I respect all the religions, but to say, I know the Catholic God is the right God is, you know, it's crazy. And so, you know, the way I look at it is if somebody, is telling you that they have the answer, run. Seriously, run. All the best advice I've ever gotten that ever applied was more of like a, hey, try this kind of a suggestion. This might be one of the things that work. You know, uh-huh. this worked for me. And that's uh-huh. not what we're seeing these days. What we're seeing these days are 10 things to make your life better or these simple five steps or this yeah. will work. And a lot of it's bullshit. And I've gotten to meet a lot of really amazing people interviewing the people that I've interviewed. And let me tell you, if you just read a self-help book, you kind of have this idea that the person behind it is someone different. And when you go meet that someone, they're a human and they have human stuff. And, you know, maybe they're uh, harsh to their kid or something or you start you see that they're just as human as you are maybe you know i, I would have to say some guests have definitely reached uh, an existence that i really believe is possible for me and something that i want to aim towards but i i don't think i think there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty in the self-help kind of area which is that people are selling solutions and we don't need solutions we need like what worked for you and we need it in in that way i I think people need to hear that it's okay to find their own way and they can take what they like and leave the rest and if it doesn't work for them to keep trying 
I know for me, like, I've just always been a kid that liked self-help. I really wanted more out of this existence. And mm. believing that some things were just a matter of fact, and then they didn't work for me has been just harmful to me. One of the things that you, I, and hopefully I'm not mischaracterizing this, that, that said in, in one of your interviews that really struck with struck a chord with me is that inspiration is found outside yourself, but truth is found in yourself. Is, is that you're, you said it so much better oh, than I that. Know. Like you are be inspired say, by others, but the truth is within you or ah, shoot. I just was listening to it and it's on the tip of my brain, but something to the, I think I said, I think I said, we're listening for inspiration and looking for answers and we have it backwards. Mm is that we should be mm. looking for inspiration. We should be reading for inspiration. When you read self-help, I wish they all had a preface that said, this is, an, this is just for inspirational purposes. Because when yes. you think about inspiration, yes. it's like you're not trying to copy it completely. You're just trying to grab things that you like. And I believe that when you read something or when you hear something, when you get a piece of knowledge that resonates with you, that is truth to you, that's inside. That's an inside thing. That's not an outside thing. I think that's that knowledge that was in you. You know, if you're, let's say, if you're thirty, because if you're fifteen, you know, maybe you still have some more gathering to do. But it, it, when you hear something that feels true, I believe that that's been in you, and you're just, it's just that knowledge recognizing itself in the outside mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. I really do. I feel like when I take time to be mindful or meditate, which I actually don't like doing. But let's say when I take time to do it, and that a lot of the answers, I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of the answers are there. And I don't necessarily have the tools to get, decode them, but the, the codex mm -hmm. <laughs> is out there. And I've, I spent a lot of time not listening. And so I think, you know, sometimes I, I'm very enthusiastic and passionate, obviously, but I really do believe that like my journey into healing and my journey into, you know, becoming is like, like the raw data is already mm. there. And it, yeah. that changed specifically when I talked to Jack Cornfield, which is a fantastic interview. And I'm not just saying that cause I did it, but he changed the way I thought about growth, which is that growth isn't like a tree growing a new branch. And I'm not trying to grow into Sam 2.0. Mm -hmm. What I'm mm -hmm. trying to do is get rid of all the shit, all the stupid aftermarket parts I've put onto Sam and remove them so I can get down to what Sam is and always has been deep down my what my spirit is so if i aspire to be a more organized more together person who can answer emails and this is somebody who has 416 unread emails because sabrina sent me into a tailspin that's another story but what, what? <laughs> what? i'll tell you about it later okay um but that organized person is who i truly am i just need to get rid of the stuff that I've added on top, like the belief that I'm not mm -hmm. or the, mm -hmm. the comfort in helplessness, because that's something I've, I've realized is that I'm very comfortable being helpless or there's some kind of payoff to being helpless. Uh -huh. I find my yeah. way there and it could be me ignoring emails until they're overwhelming pile and then, oh no, yeah. I'm helpless. Yeah. But what's true is that I have had 20 minutes to clear 50 emails a day no problem. I just didn't do it. And I think that's not, I think that's to get to helplessness. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of my recent revelation is my, I am continually creating these helpless experiences. Cause I, I get some kind of payoff. I don't know. You know, right. some kind of payoff yeah. from the helplessness or is it a release from uh, accountability or release from I think that's part of it I think it's the payoff I, 
I think it's a release from accountability. I also think it makes me comfortable with all the mess I've created in my life. And I also think that I am terrified about getting knocked down. And, you know, there's one easy way to prevent never being knocked down, and that's to be lying down on the floor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, oh man, you just said something that uh, my brain is frantically trying to piece together. But, um, in relation to kind of this thing that I've been chewing on today. And that is like, we always tend to look to other people to try to tell us who we are. You know what I'm saying? Like we look to, to projects at school. We look to guidance counselors, like just hungry for some kind of information about who we are, you know, and we look for validation with, with grades and being able to check off all the boxes. Um, like you were saying, like those, those answers aren't, can't be given by somebody else. You can't find those answers. You can find inspiration, but ultimately the only way to answer those things is by deciding. And like that agency of deciding, deciding, yes, deciding, deciding deciding to own what that is, that that's already there. That, I mean, that can be developed and, and matured and, and, you know, added to, but, uh, but you're never going to find that elsewhere. It's always going to be right there. Amen. Amen, Trent. I, I, yeah. I mean, here's one thing that I've been focusing on is trusting my intuition a lot more mm. and having, mm-hmm. making those decisions, really prioritizing discernment and making hard decisions and mm-hmm. believing them even if they're wrong. Cause let me tell you, it's better to have made a decision and be wrong than to always be in this self doubt in this painful helplessness. And yeah, that's, it's tough. I have always been somebody who asked for answers and I think that's a beautiful skill to have or place of, you know, humility to have, but what you just described is like hardwired into us. I don't know if it's from society or if it's biological, but we want heroes and we want people to be more than human and more than us and to be smarter than us and stronger than us and to save us. We want, you know, we want the billionaires and we want the geniuses to come save us. We want Elon Musk to solve our problems. Yeah. And we want Bill Gates to, you know, create the solutions. And it's like, I don't think it's evil, but I think it's just like, if you know you're in a place to start instilling this in in young people which is that they need to learn to trust themselves and need to learn that if they try and fail that's so much better than never mm-hmm. doing anything i'm like in a crazy diy project right now where so much is going wrong <laughs> it's great well that's and I, I think that's kind of what i'm getting at is like my frustration with these past two years being at high school is like we're doing exactly the wrong thing. You know, we are trying to tell these kids who they are. We're trying to dictate to them rather than helping them to decide who they are, you know, or empowering them to make that decision, you know, or at least pointing out the necessity of that for them to take accountability or or responsibility for, um, for that decision, you know, that I can't tell you, I can't give you that answer and don't expect that of me. You know, that's something that you've got to sit with and and come to on your own. Um, I feel like there's also this kind of middle place where I really relate to what you were saying, Sam, but like I, I, for so long, I felt like I didn't know I was too sensitive. um, I didn't have the answer. There was someone else out there that had the answer and I needed help. And I wasn't good. And like, I'm not good at organizing. I'm, you know, I'm too right brained. I'm too sensitive. I'm too, I'm Canadian. I'm just don't want to be intimidating. I, and just to step into like, okay, this is just actually who I am. I'm this and I'm this. Sam, is, is there a way that you would define or or characterize the conversation that you're trying to have in your podcast? Like, I know you said you had something, uh, some things in mind or a purpose for doing it. Is it, is that something that you could verbalize? I feel like I want to make the type of content that, I don't think anyone can change someone else's life. I think that's an inside job. And I think anytime somebody's life has drastically changed, 
there to credit with some help along the way, you know, from other people. But what I'd like to create is moments of reprieve, like moments where you can breathe and where you feel like yourself for a moment, even if you didn't five minutes before, like when you're walking down the street and you're in one of those like really shitty moods, one of those really awful attitudes and everything's going wrong. And you walk past somebody who has like that contagious smile and you get like a hit of it. You get like 30 seconds where you just catch it and you might go right back to having the worst day ever. But those 30 seconds right there, that moment was magic. And with the conversations, you know, I, I feel like as a host, what I bring to the table is I'm willing to be me. I'm willing to be I'm willing to be flawed and I'm willing to be imperfect. I'm not selling any life plans. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not selling anything right now at least, but I'm not selling anything. I'm not even selling an image that I know what I'm doing. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you have, you have me trying to ask questions from a similar place where I pick people that I think are doing one thing right in life. And they could be totally screwed up in other ways. But I think that they've got a handle on one thing that's really nice. I think that w when they do it in their own lives, it, it it's something beautiful. And I want to highlight that. But it's really about two humans connecting. And they just happen to be exceptional humans. And there are connections that I didn't anticipate. Like J.R. Rhodes, who's one of the more recent interviews, is a street musician or she was the highlighted featured musician at the Seattle airport. She was playing in the Seattle airport and we just connected and I had her on the podcast and the episode was fantastic. That was like two artists mid struggle, <laughs> not on the mountain, you know, not looking back down from the top of the mountaintop and trying to congratulate themselves about how they got up the mountain, but really, just on the trail trying to figure out how to keep going. Mm -hmm. And Paul Williams, who is another guest of the podcast, the Oscar winning composer and Grammy winning composer, uh, both, he heard the podcast and invited her down to ASCAP, which is the songwriters convention, put her in touch. One of her songs she's working on got, got some help and got worked on by Daryl Brown, this incredible producer. She got co-writing wow. co-writing opportunities with other great writers who are kind of more established than she is. And she got to get this trip that is like, you know, uh, world-class inspiration and got to make connections that are really going to help in the long run. And that happened because of the podcast. Like that's, that's a little thing. I don't necessarily know what the outcome of every episode is. I don't have a list of questions when I start, but I know one thing I admire about the person and I know where, where it might go. And we just do the deal. And, you know, four people, um, four people have uh, said that a conversation they heard helped them decide to, not commit suicide mm. help be the inspiration and a few of them sent me the letters that they had written now i don't count the other stuff but other cool cool things have happened in this tribe where you know people kind of woke up and they left an abusive partner we've had a lot of those or a therapist said you know i had a client i couldn't i couldn't quite reach and i knew that this would help and i i sent him home with it or I sent her home with it and they came back and mm. they got something out of it and so we each, everybody draws their own meaning from these types of things. But I think that the overall theme is vulnerability. I think every guest or, or almost every guest has been willing to meet me there. Has been willing to put a little bit of skin in the game and, you know, drop the image. Speaking of Paul Williams, we recorded an hour and afterwards he looked at me and he said, we need to do that completely over from scratch wow. because I showed up as an entertainer and I, I realized what this program is and I want to, wow. I want to show up as Paul. Hmm. 
not as Paul Williams. Wow, Sam. And wow. we we sat down and we recorded another hour, and that's one of the. It's an early episode, I think, episode three. That's one of the most powerful episodes ever. I mean, that's one of the most powerful conversations I've certainly ever heard, and I I've heard similar, but you know, that's that's the type of magic that is on this world is when two people commune and 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 get each other and and there's so much scripted interactions you see somebody and hey how you doing and you say oh i'm fine how are you oh i'm good how are the kids good how's the weather good and i was at the airport the other day and i asked the woman behind the counter how are you and she said i'm awful do you want my job i'm terrible and I just started laughing and I had to apologize for laughing. And I just, I appreciated that that was probably the, the first authentic thing, authentic conversation I had had that day was this person telling me things aren't well, I'm not okay. I don't want to be here right now. And she, you know, unfortunately, she was in so much pain, but she was in so much pain that for a moment she was willing to turn the tear the mask off. I'm human too. I put the mask on all the time, but when you have a moment that you you take it off with somebody, and you guys get to see each other, that's magic. And sometimes you can capture that. I th- I thought your recounting of of how you found Jr. in the in the airport was was wonderful. It was just a really such a strong mental image for me. I, uh, I can imagine. Uh, I love that too. You know, I love imagine that, that exchange or that moment. That was a happy accident because I was recording all this field work because I thought I was doing a program on my dad dying. And so yeah. I was kind of documenting all the different trips I was taking, interviewing all my dad's old friends and relatives for what I thought was going to be another, you know, kind of narrative driven audio program about, discovering who my dad was after he died and so i just happened to have all this recordings and it actually makes me want to go shoot maybe i should record more of the traveling to the guest because mm-hmm. <laughs> these sounds are you know yeah then the airport sound was awesome and her playing for the first time was just what a happy accident i think that's one of the things that artists uh, like one of the unique things about art making perhaps right i don't know maybe it's not unique to art but the happy accident, the like you go in with a certain intention or an idea in your mind of what you're going to do. And then the art can tell you or dictate something new, you know, that you are surprised and delighted by and or that is a direction that you would have never chosen. But there's this kind of, uh, I, I don't know, back and forth between the, the creation and the creator that uh, we're both kind of become something, you know, bigger than themselves if if that makes sense but that the idea of a happy accident i think like that idea could be taken into or that principle i think could be seen and and exercised in in daily life you know where you don't dictate when you step out the door what's going to happen and how you're going to respond but having a certain amount of openness to allow experience to find you you know i think that's something i love about art that i would love to teach to kids that kind of takes bring back to alan watts Trent, remember when we did yeah, that thing? Harmony. The harmony, and we did that thing where we were in downtown Los Angeles, and we we created the project room in the trees and this sort of thing in our back, my parents' backyard, and then we went down to downtown LA. We did a rubbing with with charcoal on the sidewalk and kind of made it into this graph, and decided that that we right. follow this random, only controlled by the the marking, the marking rubbing of, of the sidewalk. That that's where like that's where some magic thing was we'd go you know the blocks in downtown and we went into some weird old hotel and just like letting them you know i'm such a believer in that i love the two (laughs) the two guys at the front (laughs) desk had had cell phone pictures of a of a ghost that had occupied that lobby (laughs) uh that was that was fantastic yeah i was listening to a lot of alan watts when we were doing room of the trees that's for sure on my disc man that and joseph campbell like unheard recordings like some old others that that need to also get out in the land get out in nature to have those kind of 
some of those epiphanies is so important. I, I kind of miss that right now. Sam, do you, besides doing audio recording, do you have other creative outlets or things that you're artistically involved in? Yeah, I write, I draw. Um, I'm really excited to make some videos. I do a ton of stuff. What I publish, I, I used to show sculptures in gallery. Um, that used to be something where I really was into and really wanted to show. I love drawing and sharing that on social media. I love writing, which isn't like a, a disciplined practice, but I love writing short stories, short pieces. Yeah, so I have a lot of different interests. Is any one of those media dominant or do you find uh, they all kind of get to a different thing? I don't know. Besides the podcast, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love writing. I think I love drawing more than I love writing, but I write more than I draw. So take with that, you know, t take what you will from that. But I don't know. You know, I, I love creating. And the second I need a break, like I needed a break from the podcast. I kind of had a huge crash lately. It just got this depressive bout that just knocked me to my ass and I you know I want to show up as is and these the intros to the latest conversations I want to release where I was I couldn't have recorded the intro that I know should go with that conversation so I took a break and I've been working with my hands you know I used to write curriculum for a trade school like a makerspace and so I've collected a ton, you know, I used to do sculpture, so I've collected a ton of tools and I, I rented an office finally and I've been building it out and it's going to be my first professional studio that's not in my house. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's been really nice to work with my hands and that's creative, you know, that's problem solving. It's like, how are we going to lay out these lights? So, you know, if I shoot a YouTube video in here, it's going to look mm -hmm. good. How, and you know, how are we going to, acoustically treat this place where it also is visually appealing because i had a sound room in my last place but it was just ugly as hell so making these acoustic panels that look mm -hmm. kind of like a piece of art was a, a different <laughs> so, challenge i too have made acoustic panels and was very pleased <laughs> pleased with them as like aesthetic objects you know not just their function but like it was kind of fun putting them up and seeing them. That's the best feeling. Uh, you know, sometimes when I create something, like sometimes when I write or draw, I just feel like it's absolute dog shit for a while. It's like not till I look at it like a week later that I even remotely am okay with it. But uh, sometimes you're lucky enough where you create something like these sound panels and you just sit back and you look back and go, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought was like, man, I'm going to make a great husband one day. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> look at this. Can, can, you know, can that person's husband make acoustic panels? I don't <laughs> I think, think so. so. Yeah. When you, awesome. Sam, like, I think it was when I first found you on social media after hearing you on an interview, I think on, um, but you, you and your stories, I think that's when I first made a comment in your, your message said, responded was when you're doing that like yerba mate, jerry rigged thing with tools and like, <laughs> just, like you were in the middle of yerba doing mate. Some, yeah. Remember that? And you like, didn't oh, yeah. have, yeah. And you were like, but you were in the middle of kind of doing stuff down in your like workroom. It was just with power tools and, and wood and. Uh, showing your son some, I was just like this whole situation. And, and then I don't know how the Yerba Mate came into it, but it was like this, I, I fully approve with all that's going on right now. <laughs> that was a good, do you know how many, I made some friends with that Yerba Mate right? bit. Who else funny. came out of the woodwork? Um, who else is that? Oh gosh. Kelly Freeman Craig, who wrote and directed um, Edge of 17 with Woody Harrelson. She reached out too. I made two high profile friends from that Yerba Mate. <laughs> Yerba Mate bit. I'm so glad that's what connected us. That was so funny. I keep on wanting to ask you, Sam, who are you? Like because I make it, other people say that. How it yeah, God, you do. Maybe you do. Maybe is that why I that keeps keeps on coming up? Who am I? Yes. Um I'm an old sensitive soul. And I always have been, even since I was a little kid. I've always 
I was really worried about death as a little kid and worried about things that little kids don't worry about. And I was sensitive and the world really overwhelmed me in ways. And it took me a lot of time to learn how to be a part of it. For a lot of years, I just watched mm. and listened and studied and tried to figure out how I could fit into it all. I was very shy. And I'm also a terrible addict and alcoholic. <laughs> so when I discovered weed and alcohol and cocaine and mushrooms and LSD and all, you know, everything, it was like such a crazy amazing way to get out of myself and get to experience the world without all these thoughts happening all the time, without my over analytical, insane, sensitive mind running. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, I nearly destroyed myself and I nearly destroyed someone else high on meth and, um, you know, in like a meth induced rage. And so I spent 10 years kind of fucking off and causing damage and not growing. And so I came out of it at 22, really confused again, you know, except I was no longer a nine-year-old who was confused about life and unsure of everything. I was a 22-year-old who was kind of expected to know stuff mm -hmm. and kind of expected to learn, you know, to be able to hold down a job and pay my rent and hold friendships and be a boyfriend and all the stuff that you kind of you know, you're supposed to get the building blocks of as an adolescent. I just hadn't had any of them. So for the last seven and a half years, I've been sober. I've been clean and sober. And it's been a crazy journey. You know, I was saying this morning to some folks, like I thought all my problems had to do with being drunk or high. And mm -hmm. when I stopped getting drunk or high, I realized that like all my problems have to do with like my crazy neurotic alcoholic addicted and addict brain but it's been a slow recovery you know i just when i think i have it figured out something else happens mm -hmm. and i clearly don't and i think i'm i'm mostly okay with that and i've i've gotten really comfortable in my own skin for the most part most of the time but there's no absolutes you know i never say like i'm i'm cured and I was shy and neurotic, and now I'm not, you know. But I've, I've learned how to be in the world a bit more, and I enjoy what I've learned. And uh, life is still also complex and, and painful at times. I, you know, I was just saying, I really got my ass handed to me. For the past year, I've been mostly unmedicated and really, you know, seeing how far I could push the bar with diet and exercise and sleep and, you know, meditation and all this stuff. And I was, I'm really proud of what I was able to do. I really did push the bar, but I got, I got hit by a big one. And so I'm back on antidepressants and part of me feels like, oh, I failed. And that's, I don't think that's true, No, but I don't know if that answers your question. I like mm. to, I like to make things. Mm -hmm. I, I like people in the right doses. <laughs> I like animals and I want to live publicly and learn how to live in a way that other people can, can enjoy and can be a part of. I want to find others. That absolutely answers my question. I, and I hate to keep on trying to bring this back to my original thought, but it's just so deeply on my mind right now. And that is, what we need, I think now more than ever is people being willing to say that they don't know what they're doing because nobody knows yes. what they're doing. You know, that's the, that's the terrible and wonderful truth is that nobody has a clue, you know, and I think we need more voices out there just sharing their path, sharing the things that have worked and, and failed and admitting that it's hard and, you know, no matter what you do, no matter how many steps you follow and how, good a person you are it's hard and and the, the answers are there but they're for you to find and not for somebody else to dictate totally yeah the anyway so I, I appreciate that about your interviews and about you know, the voice that you uh 
bring to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, the tagline of Hello Humans as a whole is if you believe what you see, you believe we look like our profile pictures, that our lives are the stories that we curate for the public, but our real, quirky, messy, actual human experience is captivated and magnetic because you can see yourself in this story. Mm-hmm. And we're not letting ourselves be seen. And so everybody feels like a fraud because they're comparing themselves to the curated story of everyone else, even in face-to-face interactions. Mm. How, are, how are things? Fine. Like, you know, how, like, are you willing to live in a way that's, that's honest with the, the people that you love most so they can be honest with you? And you guys can go, wow, I'm fighting with my spouse too. And I still love her, but it's difficult. I really, you know, do you have any experience with this? Rather than just, ah, things are fine. Kids are great. Mm, Kids are never great. (laughs) They're they're complex. They're always chaos. Oh, goodness. Can I ask you what your favorite snack is? My favorite snack is? Well, I guess it depends on what crazy new diet I'm on at the time. Right now, since I've been doing so much physical labor, I've kind of just let myself eat whatever I want. And so I love sweets. I love paydays. And I love carrot cake. Paydays and mm. carrot cake. I was yeah. just throwing that That's... out there. I mean, not at the same time. I've never tried I've never tried a payday carrot cake combo, although that, that does sound like a strong fan. combination. I think you that gotta try good. that. That sounds fantastic. What my favorite snacks are. I'm I'm less of a snack kind of person. I'm more of like a gorger. Right, like it's the way I do everything. So <laughs> totally, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a snack-driven person, but I'll eat a, a burrito and thing of chips to myself, and then feel disgusting, oh. um, <laughs> and somehow enjoy that enough to come back and do it again next week, <laughs> next week in three days. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Is that your? Is that the desert island food? If you had to choose one uh, food that you had to live on primarily for the rest of your life, would it be a burrito? Oh God, no! If I was forced to live on one thing for the rest of my life, and it would somehow be nutritious, it'd be something healthy. If there wasn't all these vices around me everywhere, I'd be fine. Like when I'm <laughs> when I'm on a healthy diet, after I like detox from the sugar and the all that stuff, like I'm good. But the second I cave, this is why I don't drink or use drugs. Like the second I cave, Trent, the second I have like a taste of somebody's carrot cake, I'm <laughs> gone. I'm gone and I'm eating everything. I'm going to 7-Eleven. I'm getting apple fritters and hot dogs and the fake chili cheese <laughs> and everything. So if I had to live off one food, I'd, I'd definitely pick something like beautiful and nourishing because I think I would enjoy it after about a week like i always enjoy healthy food after about a week yeah god but burritos are really good though in california they are but they're too big and i don't know like they somebody are needs big. to be a, they are too big people there needs to be legislation <laughs> i want responsible burrito makers out there that make, <laughs> that make, that so make the proper portion that doesn't make you sick because we're never we're not going to keep it for later. We always mean to, but you, know, you eat the whole thing and then you feel disgusting. It's really a problem. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's kind of, it's, it's that last couple bites is the tastiest part. <laughs> Cause it's got the little, you know, you know, though, while you're eating those last bites, you know, if I stop now, I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. If I don't finish this, I'll be okay. And then you do it anyway. And then you eat it. And then you, of course we're too full. Yeah. yeah. The little nub of the tortilla. <laughs> oh my god, the nub's the best. Tortilla. And it's not like the front nub. No, it's no. not no. as good. It's way better than the front nub. Well, I wonder if that's because you've been holding it, and so it's a little bit more compressed, and maybe it's had time to get a little chewier. Yeah, the juice. Yeah. Everything's collected down yeah. there. You know, all good things, all like precious metals, always go to the bottom. Like all the good things, weigh more and are heavier and are just going to make its way down into the nub. Maybe we could start a line of burrito nubs. I don't know how we manufacture con- that, but I think there's got to be a way. I'm convinced somebody can make a complete healthy meal in a burrito form factor. I'm convinced mm. of it. I'm so convinced. I thought yeah. about engineering such a thing for myself, but. 
I know it exists. There's the right amount of protein, and you could do it. Someone could do it. Okay, I have one last question. What was the thing about why am I somehow connected to the email? The 400 emails? Oh, my God. Sabrina, my whole life has fallen apart because of you. Inadvertently. I, I was... um. Apparently, I was like much closer to the edge than I realized because like things seemed to be going good. And I was on like this great track and a podcast was coming out every week. And then you called me and you told me to like push your podcast first. So like I stopped the podcast. I was editing on halfway and started working on our podcast, our episode. And something about that like screwed me up. And I've been out for three weeks. Like... I had a complete meltdown. Like I, and this is a great (laughs) lesson. It's not actually, it's not actually you. What it is, is like, I learned something important, which is that I, you know, I can't screw with my process again. And so what I, what I should have said is like, Oh no, I, no, I can't do it. You know, I can't get your podcast out in time. Yeah, Um, totally. And so it was my own mistake, but I was enthusiastic and I wanted, I wanted to help the, Help cross promote that class, which I hope is going awesome. Um, but yeah. what happened is I, I, you know, I had a, a system that was working, and apparently it was built very <laughs> fragile. Uh, and it got and it got thrown off, and it, it 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 triggered, I guess, some stuff that's been been there because it, you know, I rarely think it's mm. the you know what triggers it is the actual problem. Uh, Rarely do I, I I think that. So I think that if you get infuriated at somebody, like that was just like, like that rage was kind of there, you know? Yeah. And they just, they just triggered it. But um, yeah, that's what started this, this lovely cycle. That was like the, the unravel, the unraveling moment. Um, I hope some of my listeners can, are listening here so they can understand what has happened and that it's all Sabrina's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh no. Wow. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah, I, I learned I, no, no, I I learned such a valuable lesson which is like if I'm on a certain production schedule, at least while it's just me, I'm hoping to grow the team a little bit, but at least while it's just me, got to stick to my guns. Absolutely. You know? No uh what do you call it when you do something last minute? What's that called? Pro- Progressing. No, um, no, no, like spontaneous, no, like eleventh hour projects. Like everything needs room to breathe, and um, so I know what to say next time somebody calls and is like, "Ah, can you publish this episode early?" Like, nope, sorry, Sabrina screwed it up for everybody. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, well. No, I I yeah. did not know that it was it was I didn't realize that it was off the, it was in in a different order than that. I didn't I just assumed it was the next one you were doing. So, I totally apologize. No, it. no apology necessary. I have a, an amazing audience cuz I've been very clear that I'm emotionally unstable. So, you know, people are really forgiving of my my current mm, form. Yeah. It's one of the wonderful things about podcasting, I think, is that the kind of uh, sets up a different relationship with your audience like i don't know i feel like it's more personable and more gracious or you know people are willing to give you a little bit more space it's so good for introverts too like us like trent and i well thank you so much sam and so let's just make sure we have your what what information do we need so you are at sam lamont do you want to give us your scoop just just so we have all the language when i'm emotionally well i'm on instagram and I'm at Sam Lamont or at hellohumans.co. There's websites and there's the things and you can Google me and find all that yeah. stuff. But that's that's where I am when I'm well. And they can find your I've podcast on... on iTunes. Oh, yeah. And I have a podcast. It's called How to Human. <laughs> it's everywhere but YouTube. I haven't figured out how to get it on YouTube yet. But it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. All of the things. All of the places. Well, I'm excited to see what you do in your your new studio space. That's no, 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 such a fun thing to start setting up, and getting into. Oh man, I can't wait to show it off. I can't wait for it to be over. Now, now I've been doing it for like a week straight. I'm like, all right, enough working with my hands. I'm ready to do computer work. Right. Well, but, good luck with that. 
Sounds like a great project. Thank you. We'd like to thank Sam for a wonderful conversation. I wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to a specific episode on how to be human. If you're looking for a place to start uh, with Sam's podcast, I would recommend the episode with Jack Conti, which, who is the founder of uh, Patreon. They had a conversation that I was really uh, blown away by, so I'd, I'd recommend that episode. And thank you, Sam, for the time, and uh, great to meet you and talk to you. Thank you, Sam. We'd love you to take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you mean a lot to us. And Patreon. We would love it if you went and subscribed uh, at Patreon and show your support there. Uh, thanks, Sam, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>